0: Turn with me, please, to two openings this evening, Psalm 34 and John 14. Psalm 34 and verse 4 says, read it out loud with me if you want to, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all My fears, glory, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. If you're delivered from all your fears, how much fear then do you have now? You are fear-free, you are fearless, and you'd smile more. (laughs) So many times you look at people, they're just frowning, 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 frowning. It's because they're afraid of something. They're afraid. They're afraid something ain't going to work out. They're afraid they're not going to get what they want. They're afraid they're going to lose something. They're afraid. They're afraid. And that fear has filled them up instead of joy, instead of peace. But that makes you weak. I said that makes you weak. Because what is your strength? It's the joy of the Lord. That's your strength and you can't stay full of joy being, you know, thinking about what you don't have, what you can't do, and entertaining fears, of how bad it's going to be, and never going to get any better, going to get worse. These lies come to all of us, but it's up to us whether we receive them or not. Like I said earlier, heard a fellow one time some years ago, I was teaching along these lines and a and fellow came up afterwards and and he was a real young Christian. And looked at me he said, I understand what you're saying, Brother Keith. He said, what needs to happen? Every mind needs a bouncer at the door. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe he spent a lot of time in clubs, I don't know. <laughs> but he did have the right idea that you don't just let every thought come into you and you dwell on it and meditate on it and think it and talk it. You need to meet every thought at the door and check its credentials. And if it's not true and good, then you need to kick it out, boot it out. You need to cast it down, throw it down, don't you? The Bible said, and bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. He delivered me from ALL, all my fears. Now look at John 14. We know that is His will. We know He is Well able to do it. But John 14 reveals to us that we have a responsibility in all our fears being removed. John 14, 27. Jesus said, red letters. What did he say? Peace Peace I leave with you. My peace. You know, you might say it like this. My personal peace. The peace I have walked in. As I've walked the earth. Because he was about to leave. And he's not going to have to deal with demons and disease and crazy people where he's going. (laughs) At the right hand of the Father. But he knew they were going to continue to have to live down here. And deal with this stuff. And he's not just talking to them, is he? He's talking to all those that would believe on him through their word. I'm quoting scripture now. And so this belongs to you and I, just like to them, doesn't it? Yes, and what did he say? My peace I give to you. Somebody say, I take it. I take it. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. You can't find this in the world. Oh, now there's a reason why Jesus says everything. But you can begin to see this immediately. Why would he say not as the world giveth? Because there are a million and one things in this messed up world that's promise and peace. Card readings, palm readings, seance, facials. foot bomb organic diet new age music the list goes on and on and on promising what gonna give you peace gonna soothe you you can buy this little box makes a sound (laughs) well that's great if you like it but you can't get peace in that little box You, man, try some of these. (laughs) Mellow you out, man. Whoa. All your stress be gone. (laughs) Uh uh. You might be semi comatose, (laughs) but that ain't peace. You take sleeping pills. You can take this and that. You may pass out, but that doesn't even mean you rest. Hmm? No, Jesus said you can't get this <laughs> in the world through any guru or religion or drug or you can't pile up enough possessions to get it. No, my peace I'm giving to you. Somebody say, I take it, I take it. It's mine. But now he didn't stop there. What did he say? What's the very next thing? This is an integral part of being able to walk in the peace he gave us. He tells us not to do these things. Is that tied with walking in his peace? Oh, certainly. Now, this is the part where Christians have missed it. They've read what the Lord has done, but they stop there. And they act like it's all up to Him. And they don't read what He told us to do. They don't emphasize that enough. Acting like it's all up to the Lord. You understand, there is no reason for you or I to beg the Lord for peace. You wonder how many Christians are doing it. Lord, give me peace. Oh, God, give me some peace of mind. Oh, Lord, he's already done it. And yet, probably over half the church world is asking him to give them some. Totally ignoring this. Well, it gets quiet when you start talking like that. Why? Because you're coming up against religious tradition that people have substituted for the Word of God, and they're holding on to it like it's the Bible. Oh, they get mad. They'll fight you over it. But it's not the Bible. It's their version of it. It's something man has created and concocted. Well, let's just pray. Let's just pray. Let's fast and pray that God would give us peace. What does this mean then? That he didn't do it? How do we understand this verse? If it's okay that we just pray and beg for him to give us peace. See, people would rather do that. And then if they don't have it, say, well, God in His sovereignty knows what we need, when and how. Instead of reading these last two phrases, come on now and taking responsibility to do what He said in order to operate in this peace. Help me out. What did Jesus say? He said, I'm giving you my peace. I give it to you. When the Lord speaks, something happens. And here's what he said then. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Huh. Is it possible? Can we not allow our heart to be troubled? Can we stay in his peace and not let our heart be afraid? Can you do it every day? Can you go month after month and not have a troubled heart and not have a fearful heart? Can you do it year after year? Can you walk in the peace that Jesus walked in when he walked down here? Did he have to deal with stuff? Could he have gotten troubled? Could he have gotten afraid? Did he ever? Never. He faced demons. He faced Pharisees. He faced disease. He faced raging wind and storms. Right? He faced death. Nothing scared him. Nothing. And he did it as a man. And he didn't stop there. He said, here, this piece I've been walking in, I'm going to give it to you. Here you go. You can't find this in the world. It's my peace. Here you go. Take my peace. And don't let your heart be troubled. And don't let it be afraid. What does that mean? It means we can prevent and not yield to fear. Doesn't it? You could stay on this for three more days and it would be time well spent. Hmm? Said out loud, I don't have to. Be afraid. Be afraid. Ever. Ever. Now, listen, friend, you'll be tempted to. Feelings will come. Thoughts will come. And here's the thing people don't understand. Just like because you have symptoms of sickness, you don't have to throw up your hands and just say, Well, I'm sick. You can say, I'm healed and resist it. Same thing with fear. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, will. I will fear no evil. Does that mean he's not feeling anything? He's not. He's in the valley of the shadow of death. He's feeling all kind of stuff. He's seeing and hearing all kind of stuff. But he's saying, I will not let fear in me. It's on me. It's around me. I feel it, it is possible, even though you've got goosebumps and the hair is standing up on the back of your neck and your knees are bumping together and your voice is trembling and tears are in your eyes, that's when it is so important to stand up and say, I refuse to fear. I resist this. Well, Jesus told me, don't let your heart be afraid, which means I can. I can resist this. I resist this. Said out loud, I refuse, I refuse to fear. Now, the reason I got into this particular series is because the Lord's dealing with me that so many of His people are being led by the devil through fear. God's people are being led by the devil through fear. If you're following fear, the devil's leading you. Where is he going to lead you? He's going to lead you into something that's going to steal from you. Or kill something about you. Or destroy. Go to Romans 8, please. Romans 8. Romans 8, 14. As many as are led by what? By who? The Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Is that you? Sons of God. Have a right to be led by the Spirit of God. Should expect to be led by the Spirit of God. Verse 15. For you have not received what spirit? The spirit of bondage bondage again to what? To fear. Is this something besides the Spirit of God that is leading people? Do you see the context now? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God, because you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Fear is not supposed to be leading you. The Spirit of God is. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Comforter, the Spirit of peace, that makes you feel like you belong and comforts you. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I want you to keep these two words in your thinking. Torment and comfort. Pressure or peace. Now, just those words can help you tremendously in knowing what to follow or what to resist, what to yield to. Or what to sit down and say absolutely no. I'm not letting that influence me. Torment should not be leading you. Pressure should not be directing your decisions. Should it? You should be following the Spirit of God who is the Comforter. Who is the Spirit of Adoption. Who is the Spirit of Peace. Colossians 3 talks about that. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Amplified talks about let it decide. Let what decide? The peace. And finally in verse 16, Romans 8, 16. The Spirit itself or Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Go with me if you would over to the Old Testament. To First Samuel, the 13th chapter. Now we've already covered a lot of ground in this series, and we saw that if you act on fear, it's similar to acting on faith. One of the most powerful things in existence is a, a human being acting on faith in God's word. That's how you get miracles. Well, on the other end of this, though, one of the most destructive, terrible things in life is when a man or woman acts on a fear. Job said, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. It's a spiritual law that what you dread and fear is allowed into your life. You become a magnet for it. The enemy has a right. To work that destruction you're afraid of. In your life. If you really don't want it to happen. Then you dare not be afraid of it. Because it's being afraid of it. That gives it power. In your life. You see some Christians bless their hearts. They get so tangled up. In talking about spiritual things. And you can tell, they're afraid of demons. They're afraid of witches. They're afraid of sorcerers. And you can tell they're just just—they're paralyzed by it. Oh, Brother Keith, I think somebody who lives above me in the apartment building is a witch. And I don't know, they looked at me funny the other day when I saw them in the hall. I think they put the juju on me. <laughs> Man, my hair's been falling out. And my dog got sick. <laughs> Mrs. Well, don't laugh. That stuff is real. It can be real. I mean, there's examples of, how many of those magicians opposed Moses in Pharaoh's court? And they did some stuff. It is real. So, so why are you laughing then? Because the reason it would have power in your life is because you're afraid of it. And people don't realize they're the ones letting it into their life. And it's so sad because demons are afraid of us. And it's so sad that children of God don't know who they are. And they don't know what they have. That they would be afraid of this kind of stuff. I think of what Brother Hagin said. He was in a, holding a meeting one time. And by the Spirit of God, he began to say some things about so-called prophets. And so called prophetesses. And afterwards, the pastor and another guy caught him and said, Oh, Brother Hagen, did you know Prophetess so and so was in here? And she heard that. Oh, Brother Hagen, you better call her. You better apologize. Man, she'll put a curse on you. <laughs> now that's some prophetess, ain't it? <laughs> that's some woman of God going around putting curses on people. He said, yeah, you know, brother so-and-so, she put a curse on him, and he got sick as a dog. And other brother so-and-so, she put a curse on him. He died. He died. They were saying it in hushed tones. He reared back, laughed. He said, I double-dog dare her to curse me. If you'd say, ooh, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Man, they liable to get over there and kill a goat and put the hoodoo on you. <laughs> I noticed after that, he ministered the Word of God for another 40 something years and never missed a beat. Did you hear me? No. It has no power over those who don't fear it. When you fear it, you give it power. And it's not just with sorcerers and witches. It's every day. Everywhere. In every area of life. The enemy is trying to work a seed of fear in you. He's trying to get something in you. To get you to expect something bad to happen. And that's all just him working on you. But if he can move you to the place where you actually act on that fear. You have proven You believe it. Remember faith without works is dead. Well fear is the same way. If you act on it. It proves. You believe that. And when you do that. You just gave the devil a right. A spiritual legal right. To work in your life. Everybody said out loud. I refuse to be led by fear. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. I will not be. Led by, fears. Led by fears. Can we do what Jesus told us? Yes. Can we not let our heart be troubled and not let it be afraid? Can we do that? Yes. Can, no matter. Now you'll be pressed. You'll be pushed. Thoughts will come. Feelings will come. Sometimes it'll, you know, it'll try to shake you. And you'll feel in your body, you'll feel shaken. That's not the end of it. That's not everything. That's just symptoms of fear. He's bringing it to you. He's trying to get you to yield to it. Let it in. And you need to look up through tears, through shaking, through everything and say, I refuse to fear. I'll not let my heart be troubled. I refuse to let my heart be afraid. I have the peace of God. I got the very peace of Jesus in me and on me. And you get to praising Him and talking like that, I'm telling you, what did Psalm 34 say? I sought Him, I called on Him, He delivered me from all my fears. Did you find 1 Samuel 13? Now, one of the things that you'll see about people yielding to fear and acting on fear, and you, I've seen it again and again, I've done it, thank God not too many times, but I've done it before and missed it. And as I begin to talk about it, a lot of you are going to see You may be reminded of places in your own life where you have. But fear won't wait. I said fear won't wait. What do you mean? It won't wait on God. The enemy is a master at pressure techniques. He, one of his techniques is the pile-up technique. Here's a problem, and here's another one, and here's another one. Maybe you're doing pretty good, but then these other three come along, and you're feeling a little strained, and people call you and say, we need to do something, we need to do it today. Okay. Well, I'm waiting on the Lord. Now look, we got these people showing up at five o'clock. What are you going to do? And immediately the enemy is there trying to say, you've got to do something. If you don't do something, this could happen. Or if you don't do something, that could happen. Now, analyze it. What's beginning to try to motivate you? Yeah. If I don't do this, this could happen, this bad thing. If I don't do that, then this bad thing could happen or this good thing might not happen. And you're feeling pressure. Somebody say pressure. pressure. This is the devil's technique. And if you yield to it, and you hadn't got direction in your heart, and you hadn't heard from the Lord, but it's a deadline, and people are calling, and they've called nine times, and people are waiting, and you just do something, well, why did you do what you did? What was leading you to do what you did? Now, I'm referring to our text in Romans 8. You've not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear. That's not what leads you. And you can identify this spirit by torment. 1 John 4 says, fear has torment. And it vexes you. And you're frustrated. And you're pressed. And the pressure whether you hear anything in the natural or not, it keeps coming against your mind. You got to do something. You got to do something. You got to do something. Well, maybe you do, but it matters whether you do the right thing or not. And how are you going to know the right thing to do? Flip a coin? Take a poll? <laughs> Vote on it? No. As children of God, we just read, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. Look at this, 1 Samuel 13. Well, back up to the 10th chapter. 1 Samuel 10 and 8. The man of God, Samuel... Is telling Saul about God's call on his life, his kingship. And he tells him the Spirit of God's going to come on him in verse 6. He's going to be changed into another man. And verse 8, he gives him instructions. Verse 7, rather, this is 1 Samuel 10:7. He says, let it be when these signs come to you that you do as occasion serve you for God's with you. And you shall go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice, sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shall you tarry till I come to you and show you what to do. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of knowledge. This is the word of wisdom, revelation of the plan of God. He's not speaking this himself. What did he tell him to do? Go to Gilgal. You're going to wait seven days. That's not all he said. Till I come to you. Do you see this? Till I come. Now this is very important. So many times people put their own interpretation of what was said. And they put meanings in it that are not there. And it can be so strong in their mind that they won't hear the truth. Had a guy some years ago, he came to me after the service and he was real upset with me. And he said, "Uh, now I just don't agree with what you said. And I said, what was that? He said, well, you said so and so and so. And I said, no, I didn't. He said, yes, you did. I said, no, I don't believe that. I didn't say that. He said, I know you did. I sat right there and I heard it. I said, I don't think so. I said, the service was taped. Go get a tape and find it. And come back and talk to me about it. He said, I'll do it. I said, do it. Well, a couple days later, he's back. He came, and I saw him. I said, well, what about it? I said, did you find it on tape? He said, well, (laughs) he said, you didn't exactly say that. He said, but that's what you meant. (laughs) Now see it doesn't matter what i say can you see this it doesn't matter what i say he's already made up his mind i didn't say it but as far as he's concerned i did i don't even believe it i actually said something pretty much to the opposite of it (laughs) but you wouldn't know it to hear him You need to keep that in mind every time you are hearing something second hand. Y'all with me now? I tell Phyllis this all the time. We hear all kind of stuff, you know. And sometimes we look at each other and say, well, that's one side. (laughs) We've been around long enough to know. We're hearing their version of it. Anyway, he told him what, go to Gilgal. I'm going to come to offer burnt offerings and sacrifices with you. Stay there seven days until I come to you and I'm going to show you what to do. Well, turn it over to the 13th chapter there where you were before. And that's when this happened in the 12th verse. 13, well, 13th chapter and the 8th verse. Saul went to Gilgal, verse 7 says, and all the people followed him trembling. And he tarried there seven days, according to the set time Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me, and peace offerings, and he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. And Samuel said to him, what have you done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me and you came not within the days appointed and the Philistines were gathering themselves together at Michmash. Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord and I forced myself and offered this burnt offering. Well, is that a good excuse? Huh? You sure? Sure. Well, you know, uh, he waited seven days. (laughs) You know the right thing to say, but put yourself in his place. You've read the chapter. But back up now. Put yourself in the place. Seven days with the enemy breathing down your neck and the people are fit to be tied. They wonder, what are we waiting on? And we need to have God on our side. And... We're not even going to pray before we do this. and We're not going to offer sacrifices. And... Now let's back up to this. Did Samuel tell Saul he would be there in seven days? Mm-mm. He told him to wait there seven days. And then he added, what else? Until I come and tell you what to do. This was a test. I said, this was a test. And he failed it big time. Now some people might say. What's the big deal? The generation we live in today. Most people think. "Well, Okay but. You know he did wait. Friend. Obedience. Is very big with God. He expects you. To do what he said and wait on him until you know what to do and not just launch out on your own and not just write your own orders did you hear me if jesus is our lord he is the boss he's the one giving the instructions we're the ones waiting on him till we get them and then doing what he said he said what did you do Saul gave his big explanation Verse 13, Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which He commanded you. For now would the Lord have established your kingdom upon Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be captain over his people, because you have not kept that which the Lord commanded you. Does this sound severe to you? You think it's unfair? (laughs) You think God's overreacting? No, see, the problem is, through generations, men have become so rebellious and such lack of respect until people go, well, you know, I didn't do it exactly like what he said, but I got, you know, I mean, the end justifies the means. It all turned out well, so, right? I mean, what's the difference? With God, it's all the difference. If he says, wait till I tell you what to do, what are you supposed to do? Could your flesh get antsy in the meantime? Could everybody get ready for you to do something else in the meantime? Could you get 45 phone calls? And 100 emails? What are we going to do? What are you waiting on? What are we going to do? What are you waiting on? That's one good thing I learned from Brother Kenneth Hagin. He demonstrated that numerous times in my association with him. You know, they had a big ministry, a lot of things going on. And sometimes they'd say, We've got to do this, we've got to do that. He'd go, Hmm? And he wouldn't get an answer. Week after week. I'm not talking about procrastinating now, I'm not talking about being lazy. I'm not talking about shirking your responsibilities. I'm talking about letting the Lord be boss. Instead of you just doing something. And sometimes, if the pressure would get on him, I mean, he'd be like a mule to sit down in the middle of the road. <laughs> Thought, uh oh, he's in the not moving mode now. You can talk all you want to. Until he's heard from the Lord. There are times he'd talk to us about healing school. And I think glory to God. He's heard from the Lord. And I figured we're going to start doing that next week. I didn't hear anything about it for two years. (laughs) And one day he'd come up and say. We're going to start that. What? (laughs) Oh yeah. And yet it worked. See. So many. Are being led by their head. Or somebody else's head. They're flipping coins. They're doing every kind of thing. They're calling everybody asking what they think. And not knowing how to be led by the Spirit. When the Lord says do something. He expects us to do it. Exactly what He said. When He said. No changes. No alterations. And if you refuse to. No matter what you think about it. He's right. It can cost you severely. I know that I learned something real valuable. My first, I guess it was second year I was there at Raymond, still a student, Brother Hagen called me up to sing a song in a service. And boy, I was as green as could be at that kind of thing. And I stumbled around, finally kind of got one out. And uh, he and Miss Aretha came up to me at the end of the service. And they were smiling. They said, good job, uh, Keith. Man, you yielded to the Spirit. That was good. And I said in my country way, I said, yeah, I said, I reckon eventually I'd get around to it. And they both stopped and looked at me and said, I said, eventually, you know, sooner or later, I'd get around to it. They both stopped and looked at me with piercing eyes and said, it better be sooner. And I was shocked. I thought, well, that's a little rude. <laughs> course, I didn't say anything. <laughs> they both just stopped looked at me because we were laughing and carrying on. And they were commending me and encouraging me and I said yeah I guess you know sooner or later I get around to it and they both stopped and looked and said it better be sooner and I had to think about it and pray about it I didn't know why they had responded that way like I said to me it just seemed abrupt and rude but it was right I said it was right that sooner or later attitude is rebellion and disobedience did you hear me? When the Lord says do something. He intends for you to do it. Not play with it. Not make up your own plan. Not change it nine ways. Not do a piece of it. And ignore the rest of it. He expects us to do it. And if we don't. It can cost us seriously. Did it cost Saul? It's, I know it sounds severe to you. But the Lord knows his heart. And you can see. The reason why it was so severe is his heart was so rebellious in this area. You remember not long after that, he sent him on a mission and told him to attack Agag and what to do there. And he didn't do it. He didn't do what the Lord told him to do. He changed it all up. And again, he says, because I was afraid of the people. What's leading him in this stuff? Fear. And because of fear, he's not waiting on God. He's just doing stuff. Oh, can you see it, saints? Can you see it? Is it serious? There's two things. Until you know his direction, don't do it. Don't. I don't care who's got a plan or what they think, until you hear from him, until you get it, don't move. I don't care how much pressure there is, I don't care how big the need is, And then, secondly, once you do get it, anybody know what to do? Once you get it from him, once you get your direction, do not fail to obey quickly and completely. I'm thinking about Jesus. They drugged that woman in front of him and threw her down and said, We caught this woman committing adultery. How many know you can't do that by yourself? Where's the guy? Probably one of their buddies. We caught her. And the law says stoner. But what do you say? They think they got him. This shows the devil's wisdom. There is a devilish wisdom. James talks about. They think if he says stoner. We got him. He'll lose uh, favor and eyes of the people. Because they think he's kind and compassionate. And if he says no don't stone her. Then we got him. Because he's not agreeing with Moses and the law. He can't be right. We got him. Either way he goes. You know what Jesus did? (laughs) Come on, help me out. What did he do? He knelt down. He stooped down. And starts writing. And the Bible said they stood around and continued to question him. They're going, what about it, preacher? What about it? Stone her or don't stone her? What about it? What did he do? Come on, help me out. What did he do? He didn't let them push him into saying or doing something. What's he doing down there like that? What's he waiting on? What's he looking for? He's operating as a man. He's not operating in omniscience. He's waiting on the Father. I said he's waiting on the Father. They pressed him. They pushed him. How about it? Come on, spit it out. Stone her? How you don't stone her? You opposed to Moses? Lawson stoner, what do you say? And they pelted him and they pressured him. Somebody say pressure. pressure. They're pressuring him. Answer. Answer, they're saying. But he wouldn't. Finally, I think a smile came across his face. He's got it. Father showed him exactly what to say. He looked up and said, Whoever's without sin among you, Can throw the first rock. And he knelt back down. Started writing. (laughs) Silence. No more prodding and questions. Now let's just stop. How many stand. There's a million and one things. He could have said. That would have been wrong. Right. Jesus would not be led by fear. He would not be led by pressure. He waited till he heard from the father. Hallelujah. Go to Exodus 32. I think you can take a little more of this. When the Lord says, wait till I show you what to do, like Samuel told Saul, what should you do? Is that always going to be easy? Mm Mm-mm. Similar thing happened with Moses. Exodus 32. The Lord called Moses up in the mountain. He was up there for Forty days and nights. He's in the glory. God's showing him things. God's giving him the law. But a lot can happen in forty days. (laughs) The all the bunch he's leading are not having prayer service every day. (laughs) They're not in quiet meditation. What are they doing? They're talking and wondering. And trying to figure. They are going, man. How long is he going to stay up there? I think something happened to him. Bound to. How long has it been? It's been over a month. Anybody heard from him? Not a word. Anybody seen him? No. He's dead. He's dead. We might as well get us a new later. Do you hear how the enemy works? How does he work? Fear won't wait. Verse 1, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron, and they said to him, Get up, make us some gods. Wow. Do you know, it's been less than two months since they heard the audible voice of God out of the fire. Thou shalt have no other gods? And you don't make any image? And what's the first thing they want to do? Not just make one, make it now. Get up, Aaron, and make us some gods that will go before us. For as for this Moses, that's disrespectful, isn't it? This Moses guy... The man that brought us up out of the land of it. We what not we don't know what's become of him. Nobody knows. We can't sit around here waiting forever. It's been, you know, 39 days. How long you expect us to wait? Friends, hope you're listening with your spirit now. Learn the spirit of this. Learn to recognize it with yourself. This antsiness this impatience. This pressure. Do something. Come on, have you ever felt it before? Have you ever heard it before? Do, what are you sitting around for? Do something. Let me tell you from a minister's perspective. You know one of the hardest things that you've ever done as a minister? In the pulpit? Nothing. I've had the Lord deal with me in certain services before. Just stand here for 15 minutes. I thought, God. And I mean, in two minutes, you can feel the people going, What? Is he having a problem? I mean, is he not prepared? Did he forget? What? And this group of people, over those period of days, they became absolutely fit to be tied. And in that is the open door for the enemy. Why? They're afraid. They're not going to have a leader. They're afraid. They're not going to know what to do next. They're afraid. All these fears are accumulating and pressing and pushing them to do something. Do something. So they come up with a plan. And Aaron gets swayed by the bunch. They probably had blood in their eyes. When they come up and told him to make them some gods, they probably said it in such a way he knew, buddy, if I want to live out today, and he said, well, give me your jewelry. And his explanation when Moses came back down is really, have you read it before? And Moses, I mean, Moses is fit to be tied with him, and he's wanting to know, what did these people do to you to make you do this? He said, oh, uh, they gave me all this jewelry, and I just put it in the fire, and out came this cash. It's, yeah. Out came the calf. We're not just talking about them. We're talking about you. We're talking about me. Have you ever felt this? This antsiness, this pushing, you know, to do something. Yeah, but to do what? Where did they get this plan? We need to do something. Maybe you do. Maybe you need to go back to your tent and pray. Pray for Moses. No, that ain't it. (laughs) <laughs> maybe you need to work and get everything ready whatever he, the Lord's told him to do when he gets back you know get the livestock ready get the wagons ready you know make sure everything's set to go nah that ain't it they had a plan make new gods the Lord was very very upset with them and judgment came what was leading them Fear. Go to the New Testament with me. I'm thinking about closing. New Testament, Galatians, second chapter. Fear has torment. Faith has peace, doesn't it? This pushing, this pressing, this squeezing, this pulling on you. And it's sad families have done this to each other. Husbands and wives have done this to each other. They have pushed and pressed and pulled and nagged when they should have been praying and looking to God. But they're pushing the other person to do something. Family members have done it. Brothers and sisters. People have done it to their leaders. And leaders just given in. Phyllis and I were talking about something, the situation the other day. And it was a case where... A child, teenage child, wanted to do something, they wanted something, and the, uh, the parent told them no. They loved them. They wanted them to have something like that, but they had a check, and they said no, and the child got upset and sulked and pouted, and so the father gave in and said, well, okay, and the child just almost got killed doing that thing. I mean, it was the mercy of God, hair's breath. Well, he missed it. He should have let them cry and pout. Did you hear me? But see, people don't understand this. They let things sway them. They let people sway them. They let feelings, they let deadlines, they let all this stuff, move them and lead them. And listen, if you're being led by your child's pouting, you're not being led by the Spirit of God. If you're being led by your husband's or wife's anger, you're not being led by the Spirit of God. We must get a hold of ourselves and not let these things sway us. We've had people, us and I've had people push us before on stuff. And sometimes we've told them. I mean, they, you can tell they think we just do whatever we want to do and decide to do. And that ain't so. And I've had people push me before on stuff and finally I looked at them and said, Look, I don't do what I want to do. Why would I do what you want me to do? A lot of folks don't believe that. But there are people that endeavor to be led by the Spirit of God. Am I looking at some in this place tonight? Come on, help me out. Say it out loud. I refuse to be led led. by pressure, by by feelings, by by anger, By anger. by by fear. I will not Be led led. by by fear. It is a dangerous, subtle, subtle thing. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've walked with God. I don't care how much faith you've got. How much of the word you know. You can miss it in this on any day. I'll prove it to you with this. Galatians. Second chapter. Are you there? Galatians 2, verse 11, Paul speaking by the Spirit. He said, when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. That might have been a little uncomfortable. Peter was in the ministry before Paul. He has... At this point, when this was written, he has a greater place of people knowing him and leadership in so many ways than Paul does. And Paul confronted him on this. And it needed to happen. Verse 12 For before that certain came from James, he did not eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself. Why? Why? Fearing. Fearing them which were of the circumcision. Peter's a good man. He's already preached on the day of Pentecost. God's using him to get thousands to the Lord. He's had miracles. Him and John has had the miracle at the gate called Beautiful. I'm talking about being used of God. And yet he gets over here. And gets concerned, afraid, of what these other preachers and people are going to say about him eating with these folks contrary to Jewish traditions. And so he changes and won't eat with them, showing that he's keeping himself clean. Which is absolutely contrary to the gospel. Hmm? Because according to Jesus, now it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you, it's what comes out. And nothing that you do in life makes you righteous in His sight except what Jesus has done. He got away from the truth of the gospel. And it wasn't just him. The other Jews dissembled likewise with him. insomuch that Barnabas. And Acts says Barnabas was a good man. And yet Barnabas lets them sway him. And the whole bunch. Acts and does things contrary to the truth and gospel. Because of what? Come on help me out. Because of what? Fear. Fear. I've seen good men. Preachers, pastors, change what they were preaching and doing because they were afraid somebody was going to be offended and leave or pull out their money or pull out their families. I've seen good people change. I've seen men absolutely disobey God because they were afraid their wife wouldn't go along with it. And women the same way. But friend, in just a few more clicks, you and I are going to be standing in front of the judgment seat of the Lord. And there's not going to be anybody standing there holding your hand. And not going to be anybody you can talk to. And when you try to explain to Him why you didn't do what He told you to do, it ain't going to carry any weight. Nothing's going to be a justifiable reason. We must overcome our fears. We must, I don't care who says it or who does it, we must not let somebody cause us to override what we know is right in our heart and let a fear lead us because we haven't been given the spirit of bondage to fear. We have The greater one. We got the Holy Spirit. We've got the peace of God. We got the Comforter inside of us. And if we'll wait on Him, He will show us. And when He does, we can do it. And it'll be right every time. Somebody say every time. Every time. 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 You have to wait on Him though. Fear won't wait. Fear will come up with its own plan. Fear will just flip a coin. Fear will just say, what do y'all want to do? Fear will just give in. Fear will just do something. And it'll be wrong. Sometimes it don't cost you too much. Sometimes it can cost you everything. But it's wrong and it'll cost you every time. Oh, but if you learn how, you just wait on the Lord. I don't care if people are pushing and clamoring. I don't care if deadlines are looming. I don't care... Just wait on him. Wait on him. And say, No, I got to know. I got to hear from him. I got to hear from him. And be in full faith that he'll show you. Ah, sometimes it gets all the way down to where your toes are in the Red Sea and Pharaoh's horse is breathing on the back of your neck. But you don't need it till you need it. (laughs) Right? Just hang in there and say, "He'll He'll show me. He'll show me. He'll show me. I know some years ago when I was learning more how to minister, usually the Lord would give me what I was supposed to speak days in advance, sometimes weeks in advance. At this particular time, I couldn't get it. I prayed, I studied, I looked, I couldn't get it, and I couldn't get it. And now it's time for me to go. I'm on the plane. I'm flying there. I'm supposed to get off in a few hours, and I'm supposed to go speak. I didn't have it. I didn't know. I'm getting a little nervous. I'm sitting up there, and I thought, Lord, you know, any time would be good. He knows your heart. And he spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard an audible voice. He said, you trust me? I said, yes, sir. He said, relax. Okay. Relax. Hmm." So I got a ginger ale, ate a peanut, (laughs) looked out the window, got off the plane. They picked me up in the car. They took me over to the church. Took me in the speaker's room. I put the microphone on. I ain't got a clue. (laughs) But these words are ringing in my ears. Do you trust me? Yeah. Then what? Faith rests. We which have believed do enter into rest. What should Saul have done? He should have hung out there, took a nap. Ate an apple, right, <laughs> rested, sharpened his spear, made plans, but he should not have gotten ahead of God. He should have done exactly what the Lord told him, wait till he came and told him what to do. I got off, they introduced me. I walked up to the podium, not a clue. <laughs> and the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. And another one, and another one. And we spent the whole time ministering by word of knowledge. Healings and miracles. I didn't need a sermon. But I didn't know it. And he didn't tell me. (laughs) He could have told you. He didn't want to. You know what pleases him? Faith. And faith will wait. And faith will rest. And faith will cool its heels till he says so. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to, God. glory to God. Stand on your feet. I've gone long enough. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Close your eyes. Let's wait on him just a little bit. I'm going to say a thing or two, and then I want us to pray in the Spirit. Two things. Two things. Two things. If you hadn't heard from him, tell me what to do. If you hadn't heard from him, what do you do? DON'T DO SOMETHING, DON'T JUST DO ANYTHING, WHATEVER YOU CAN DO, WAIT ON HIM. WAIT ON HIM UNTIL YOU GET IT. THERE'S PEOPLE IN THAT CATEGORY, IN THE BUILDING AND WATCHING BY THE INTERNET. THERE'S ALSO PEOPLE IN THIS CATEGORY. WHEN HE TELLS YOU TO DO SOMETHING, IT'S NOT TIME TO WAIT. WHEN HE TELLS YOU TO DO SOMETHING, WHAT DO YOU DO THEN? DON'T DELAY. DON'T MODIFY IT AND CHANGE IT AND DO IT YOUR WAY. AND WHEN HE TELLS YOU TO DO SOMETHING, HELP ME OUT. What's the key to miracles? What did Jesus' mother say to him? Whatever he says to you, do it. Do it. Hallelujah. Wait on him just a little bit right here. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today